Hello everybody, it's David Redden and Nick Foster here with another edition of the Captain's Run podcast. But we're going to do something quite different this time. This is the first time I've ever had a podcast talking about one of our great loves, cycling. Nicholas, welcome, mate. Welcome. Uh, thanks very much for having us, Redders. It's uh, always good fun. It is indeed. Nick and I spoke about this about seven or ten days ago when we were cricket, and we decided to do something on the on the five monument one day classics, which actually start this weekend with the Milan de San Remo. The five monuments are the Milan de San Remo, the Tour of Flanders, the big one Perry Roubaix, Liege Baston Liege, and then later on in the year Lombardia, which takes place in October. But there's four one day classics coming. Uh, the four monuments coming very quickly, Nick. Um, would you like to, uh, mate? You go for where you like. What would you like to talk about first? Milan San Remo, or what? Have you got some oh, other stuff for us? Look, I suppose it's just really interesting that you know to note. I guess that you know what the monuments are all about. I mean, we're sort of in a period of the year where we're you know right in amongst the uh, spring classics, Mark, uh, March and, and April. Um, so it's a really big time of the year for cycling. Um, but the monuments are just really those that, you know, they're generally the, the oldest, the hardest and, and, and the most prestigious sort of one-day races. Um, so they're, they're sort of on the on the bucket list, I think, for every pro cyclist and there's really very few that sort of, uh, you know, are lucky enough to, to walk away with a win. But um, I really enjoy watching them. Um, yeah, full of drama. Um, still quite cold in in Europe at this time of year. So you get the yeah. Sometimes you get the dusty dusty cobbled roads, and other times you'll get wet and mud, and uh, it's all good fun. It, so, is, it is indeed. It's a lot of fun. I know in the last couple of years I've spent a bit more time with encouragement from yourself watching the SBS replays, particularly of Flanders and Paris-Roubaix on the Parvay, and it's fascinating to watch them, and particularly those little wicked hills they've got on the Tour of Flanders make an enormous difference, and they can completely destroy a race. Mate, um, yeah, that's right. They do, and, and I've got some descriptions. I've got some things open on the website about what it's like riding on cobblestones. I know you gave me, a uh, when we were at uni that day, a bit of a description of what... Tipping bricks up. What was that description you gave me of riding on parvay about bricks? What? what t- tell everybody what you said. Oh, it's, yeah, look, it's pretty hard to describe, but they're, you know, it's, it's a bit like standing bricks end on end, um, and and not not right against each other and trying to ride across them. It's um, yeah, it's just quite challenging and um, certainly not the most comfortable ride you'll ever have. No, um, there's a quote here on on Wikipedia. And it's about Paris-Roubaix. Let me tell you, though, there's a huge difference between the Tour of Flanders and Paris-Roubaix. They're not even close to the same. In one, the cobbles are used every day by the cars and kept up and stuff like that. The other one, in reference to Roubaix, it's completely different. The best I could do would be describe it like this. They ploughed a dirt road, flew over it with a helicopter, and then just dropped a bunch of rocks out the helicopter. That's Paris-Roubaix. It's that bad. It's ridiculous. And when you watch it, that's sort of the, the feeling you get from watching them riding on the Parvay. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, you know, any, any, everyone should do themselves a favour and um, tune in to, to Paris-Roubaix um, in a few weeks' time. It's on the it's on the 11th of April and, you know, without doubt, it's uh, something to behold, I think, in terms of the spectacle. I mean, cycling's not for everyone. I, I can appreciate that, but um, if you're going to if you're gonna tune in for one day a year, it's, it's probably it. So, um, yeah, strongly encourage that for anyone. Okay, the first monument is this Sunday. It's the Milan, San, to Milan de San Remo in Italy. It's 295 kilometres. And, of course, all of these races, the last races were in 2019 with COVID taking care of everything last year. Uh, Woodfern Art was the winner of the, this, the, the last time it was run. And, and Nick, um, 
it, what, 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 it's the first one day classic, as you said, it will be quite cold. What do you expect here in the first of the monuments? Oh, look, I, I think you know, Milan San Remo is you know, naturally quite a flat, flat, uh, flat course. It sort of runs along the coast. It's generally known as the Sprinters Classic, so it's you know, it, it sort of um, appeals to a different cyclist than some of the others, but um. Yeah, whilst you know some people may consider that a little bit easy, um, you know, it's you know almost three hundred kilometres, so it's a long, long day in the saddle. Um, and the other thing with it being quite flat, you tend to end up with a you know a bit more of a bunch sprint at the end of the day. So yeah, um, you know, it might be a bit easier, but a lot of people say it's the most difficult one to win. So you know, there's a couple of big names like Wout Van Aert and Julian Alaphilippe um, from Dakota Quick Step and. Um, you know, Matthew Vanderpoel, which will come into the mix. There's a couple of couple of guys like Vin- uh, Vincenzo Nibali and Arno Demar, who are previous winners, which are all also sort of riding as well. So it's you know, pretty hot field. Uh, probably hard to go past Wout Van Aert at the moment. Um, you know, defending champion. Uh, certainly knows what it takes. But you know, it's, as I say, it's, just, it's probably a tough one to win Milan San Remo. And, of course, the, the big thing about this year's cycling is, of course, it's unusually being an odd-numbered year, is that there's Olympics in this year as well with a big road race. So I suppose some of these people, will, some of these cyclists will be thinking about that in the back of their mind, having to go to Japan later on this year. The next one is the, is the one that I've spent an enormous amount of time watching the last couple of years, and it's fascinating to watch. It's a couple classic. It's the Tour of Flanders from Antwerp to Udenard in Flanders in Belgium. Nick, this is a... This is an absolutely fascinating race to watch. Oh, absolutely, it's it's the first of the big cobbled classics. Um, you know, start of April every year, um, so it's you know, it's quite you know, quite well known for its um, its short and, and steep climbs um, in the Ardennes. So um, they're they're also cobbled as well. The, the climbs so it just adds another sort of level of complexity um, there. So. Uh, yeah, really, really challenging. Um, yeah, it's right in the heart of you know the heartland of cycling too. So, get huge crowds. Um, you know, you know, once again, a really big spectacle. Um, yeah, often, often favours the guys with the big engines. So, your Tom Bone and uh, Fabian Cancellara, you know, in years gone past, people like that who can really uh, motor across the cobbles. Um, yeah, really you know, pump out a lot of watts. So, um, yeah, guys, guys to watch there. Just sort of your Wout Van Aert again, Alaphilippe, Peter Sagan will come into the mix here. Yep. Um, you know, so he's he's someone who's really capable of, of tackling those short, short and sharp climbs, but then dealing with the cobbles on the flats too, and and really powering across those and and, and riding from the front. So, you know, for anyone who does tune in in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, you'll sort of note that coming into those, you know, those short, steep, steep climbs, you know, it'll be a bit of a jostle for, for places at the front. And, you know, the likes of Wout Van Aert and Alphalippe and, and Peter Sagan will be, you know, right at the head of the race there. And they won't want to be caught behind any 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 crashes or any, any mix-ups that go on on those climbs because it's, uh, you know, it's probably curtains. If, uh, if you get caught behind one of those, it can, your race can be very quickly over. Nick, just before we go on to, further on to speak about Paris-Roubaix, which is next on in order. By the way, the Tour of Flanders is on Easter Sunday. Nick, you were telling me at uni the other day about how the cobbled classics suit the bigger-bodied riders more. Can you give some of our listeners just a quick background as to what you were talking about there, why it suits the bigger-bodied bigger guys? Why is that, mate? Yeah, look, it's, it's 
look, I think it's, it just allows them to power across the, the you know the really uneven surfaces far more easily than a you know a lighter, smaller frame person who tend to bounce around a little bit more. That you know people who can put out a higher you know a higher a wattage will sort of deal with that you know generally a little bit better. So um, you know history history will sort of back that up a bit as well. You know I mentioned people like Tom Bonin and, and Fabian Cancellara. You know, um, and the likes. Um, you know, Peter Sagan. They're all sort of a bit bigger frame people, um, yes. slightly heavier. And, and you know, when I when I say heavy, I mean you know, they're certainly not 100 kilos or anything like that. But um, you know, when it comes to riding on those cobbles, they they definitely deal with it. You know, much better. You'll you'll see, yeah, you know, throughout the, the the classics and in particular the cobbled classics. A lot of the guys who will ride the three week tours, the grand tours in, in the middle of the year. Yeah, they'll be absent from these. They're just they're just not suited to the to the um, yeah to the style of racing. So um, yeah, de- definitely definitely suits a certain body type. And the next one's the big one for mine, Paris-Roubaix, Sunday the eleventh of April. The eleventh of April. It's the week after the Tour of Flanders. This one I've got a map open. It runs from Paris north to Roubaix, and Roubaix sits very close to the Belgian border. In fact, this year's route goes. Within on what looks like 500 meters of the Belgian border, it's 260 kilometers. There are an enormous amount of cobbled stages. Uh, 25, I think, when I was uh, reading it earlier. On. So you go 29. Uh, you go through the Aaron through Arenberg and all sorts of things. Nick, talk to us about this extraordinary race. Oh, yeah. Look, it's you know, probably fondly known as the hell of the North. I mean, it's yeah, it really is. Um, probably the one that people want to win. Um, the, the the classic riders they'll all say they want to win Paris Roubaix. Um, you know, and and there's you know, a thousand thousand iconic photos and, and videos and the like out there. And they're usually with riders sort of covered in dirt and mud and um, and all sorts of things at the end of the day and in you know, a whole heap of pain. So um, as you say, I think 29 cobbled sectors, um, and, and you know some of them are okay and others are. Yeah, I don't know what some of the terminology they use, but not very nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 yeah, it, it is the one everyone wants to win. Um, you know, Philippe Gilbert won um, a couple of years ago, and, and he's he's targeted this year, you know, as a, as a as a big item for him. So um, you know, and, and particularly being so close to the Belgian border, there will be that really big support again. Um, yeah, a bit of a key feature of, of Paris-Roubaix also is the, the velodrome finish. So they'll come into the velodrome in Roubaix and, and do a lap. And um, In recent times, there's been a number of sprint finishes. You know, after 260Ks, uh, to have, to have a sprint finish is you know, quite exciting. Um, there's often a little bit of jockeying um, you know, and, and tactics come into it in the, in the velodrome there too. So you know, I'd strongly encourage anyone who... Um, yeah, is maybe a little bit unsure about cycling, or uh, or is you know, an avid follower. Um, no doubt, it's if you want to watch something this year. I know everyone everyone will sort of know the Tour Tour de France, but um, this is probably my f- favourite sort of event of the year for sure. I spent some time watching this in the past years, and it is it's fascinating to watch. It really is. The next one's on Anzac Day in Australia, the twenty fifth of April. Liege Baston, Li, Li, sorry, Liege Baston, Liege. 
in Belgium, 260 kilometres. Interestingly, the re most recent winner of this was the man that was part of what I think was one of the most fascinating tour tours of France ever, Primoz Roglic, who finished second in an epic Tour de France last year with Pogacar. Um, 260 kilometres in Belgium. Nick, talk us about Liège, Baston Liège. Yeah, look, it's probably the, the classic that really tends to favour your more traditional um, you know, three-week racer. Um, you know, so Jack, Jack and Fuglesang uh, and, and Alaphilippe and, and guys like that, um, you know, who are capable of doing well in three-week races with lots of climbing, they'll, they'll do quite well um, in this classic. Um, it's a long day, um, you know, uphill finish, yeah, you know, it's still still a lot of you know short, sharp climbs, um, but it is definitely a race that, that does suit the Grand Tour specialists a little bit more. So, um, but it's the it's the oldest classic too. So, um, yeah, you know, and like with all these races, being in Belgium, um, you know, or nearby, they're, they're really right in the heartland of cycling. So you can. Yeah, yeah. For anyone who's got any sort of idea about cycling, you can just imagine the crowds and the and the following these races get. And it's yeah, um, yeah, probably a bit like some other sports where they have their their hotbeds. Um, Belgium certainly it for cycling. So um, yeah, big event this one. Um, not for not for another month or so yet. So there's a fair bit of water to flow under the bridge um, before this. But you know, I'd certainly be keeping an eye out for Julian Allen Philippe and and Jakob Fuglesang. Um, the Dane in uh, in this race for sure, and that brings us to the last one, which is in October. We won't talk too much about it. You were talking about Fugel saying he actually won the last year Lombardia in two nineteen. This is in the Lombardy region in Italy, as I said. It's uh, the weekend after the long weekend in October in Australia. It's two hundred and fifty five kilometres. Um, do you know much about El Lombardia, Nick? And have you have you watched a little bit of this one? Oh, a little bits and pieces. Probably not as much as the uh, as the Spring Classics, but you know, it's certainly. Um, probably does suit, once again, a little bit more of the three-week races at the end of the season too. So you tend to get a bit of a different crowd turning up to race this one. Um, you know, a lot of the big names have, have spent three weeks in the saddle at either, you know, the Tour of Spain, France or Italy, um, you know, in the middle of the year. So it does tend to attract a little bit of, bit of a different crowd. Um, you know, Il Lombardi is off, you know, quite well known for the scenery though it's, it's a bit like the Tour de France it sort of um, you know goes around Lake Como um, you know quite well known in, in tourist circles or tourism circles so um, you know it's it's often sort of um, you know people sort of really like tuning in just to see the scenery too so uh, long way away other end of the season um, but once again you know you're talking 250k 255k so it's big days um yeah, you know, and as you say, Jakob uh, Fuglesang uh, last year, he's probably going to be in the mix again this year. He he's unlikely to be a leader on one of the one of the teams in the Grand Tours, so um, he may well target this uh, this race. That that takes care of the classics, Nick. It is a very big year in the fact that there's an Olympics this year as well uh, in Tokyo, of course, delayed. I'm looking at the moment just quickly at a, at a map of the Tour de France, which has got a, a, a large section of it in Brittany. Um, they're going to finish one of the Alpine stages in Albaville, which when, if you're my age, well, people will remember was a Winter Olympic site. They're going up Luzardaden in the Pyrenees. It'll be fascinating. They're going into, into, they've got to finish in Andorra this year as well. So that, that's a very different course uh, than I've seen in previous. There's almost no racing at all in northern France. Um, and very little in Western France, so that'll be other than in Brittany. Nick, um, 
do you think that when it particularly comes to the Olympics, with Slovenia theoretically having Pogacar, Roglic, and Sagar all eligible, they're going to have a they're going to ta- take some real stopping in that road race in Tokyo. Oh, yeah, look, that'll be an interesting thing um, in itself. It'd be interesting to see if they all race. Um, Yeah, they'll all have pretty full calendars as it is, and it'd be interesting to see where their priorities lie. So, um, you know, that's probably question number one. But, yeah, if they can, um, yeah, if they all do sort of... uh, do do the Olympic road race. So certainly, you'd think they'd be um, there or thereabouts. One of those guys, possibly um, Peter Sagan. You know, he's he's the one with that real firepower. Um, but you know, it's it's a pretty unpredictable sort of thing. The Olympic Olympic road race. Um, so yeah, who knows really? Um, and and as I say, with you know, competing priorities for a lot of the the riders, it'll it'll be interesting to see who actually ends up. At the Olympics, um, you know, not only due to the, the COVID stuff, but you know, where priorities lie. You know, um, does Roglic prioritise the Tour de France over the Olympics, or uh, there's a lot of lot of things to sort of happen there, and a, a lot of unknowns, I'd say. Oh, absolutely, and you know, be, be, of course, it the Olympics will, from my memory, fall in between to the Tour de France and the Vuelta, the Vuelta de España. So that'll be really, really interesting to see how they, who, who actually commits to it. And, of course, it's not corporate teams. It's oh, you, You're with your countrymen. So it'll be very, very interesting. There's been some very good cyclists win Olympic gold medals in in, in um, road races. So not, I can't wait. And I love watching the velodrome stuff, all the different races they've got there, the Kieran, the Madison, and all the, 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 the pursuit. It's fascinating to watch. And that's, for me, one of the highlights of the whole Olympics. It'd be great to watch all these guys having a real crack racing for their country. Mate, was there anything else you wanted to talk about in what's been our first talk about cycling? And I will get you back later on the year to talk more about these things, but maybe do a couple of reviews of things if you've got time for me. But is there anything else you wanted to mention, mate? Uh, no, I've really enjoyed it. It's been nice to have a bit of a chat about it. And as I say, for anyone who's, who's not a cycling fan, um, you know, get on board and, and, and maybe if you're going to – if you're going to dip your toe in the water, try Paris-Roubaix. Uh, I think the 11th of uh, Sunday, the 11th. Um, they'll probably even have highlights somewhere. So, um, yeah, dip your toe in the water there. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I, I've got no doubt that if people are willing to give it a go, they'll absolutely love it. Uh, just to run through the dates for you, milan San Remo is this Saturday, the 20th of March in Italy. The Tour of Flanders is on the Easter Sunday, Sunday the 4th of April, from Antwerp to Oudenard in Flanders in Belgium. The week after is Paris-Roubaix, the 11th of April, from Paris to Roubaix in France. On Anzac Day in Australia, the 25th of April, is Liège-Bastogne-Liège in Belgium. And the final of the five monuments is Il Lombardia, and that's all the way down in October. If you get a chance, have a look at um, on cable or on SBS. They'll have lots of highlights for it. Give it a go. And as Nick said, it really is a great way to get into cycling. Nick, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for the homework you've done. It's been great talking cycling with you, and hopefully we can do it again um, th- this season. Uh, loved it, Redis. Thanks very much. Going, mate. On behalf of Nick Foster, my name's David Redden. This has been the Captain's Run for the uh, 17th of March. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. It's been great talking cycling with someone like Nick who really loves his cycling and knows a lot about it. We'll come back with you later on the year to talk more about cycling. On behalf of Nick, this is David. Good evening.